Today's first cast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash almighty. That's audibletrial.com slash A-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y. Over 180,000 titles to choose from. Access them right on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Spurs Cast, the original San Antonio Spurs podcast. Congratulations, you have arrived at episode 431 of the Spurs Cast, the original San Antonio Spurs podcast, brought to you, of course, by ProjectSpurs.com. I'm your host, as always, Ryan McCallum, and casting the pods with me this Friday uh, is, of course, the man, fresh from the gym, Mr. Jose Grijalva. Jose, what was the lifting schedule like today? <clears throat> Legs, back, chest, and shoulders. And I did it all like in an hour because I was in a hurry. Were so you, you just I'm, kinda, I'm beat today. You're just getting all all jammed because of the uh, the, the Trump um, what was it the Trump press conference yesterday, right? That just set you about, on fire. Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, we'll see about that. You know, but I did buy, and this is kind of a TMI, of course. But well, thanks. Uh, you you were a wrestling fan, right? You watched the, like the old old school stuff, like around the '90s, late I mean, '90s. Yeah, absolutely. I, I even bought the Royal some Rumble, man. I just went to the Royal Rumble. We had a whole show about that. Oh yeah, I forgot. Sorry. I, you know I don't listen that much. You know. I know you. Um, uh, I was a That's big fan of Billy Gunn. You remember oh, yeah, Billy Gunn, right? I do. Yeah, you know what? Badass Billy Gunn. I still have yeah. a DX shirt. You remember those uh, trunks that he would wear with the little hearts on them, or the little kisses on them? I really wasn't paying that close of attention to anything below the waist. It sounds like you were though. So tell me about the trunks. A- absolutely. So I was on Amazon, and of course, uh, in China, they're no selling way. underwear that spout. Yes, and it, 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 it's like <laughs> That's it mirrors awesome. it. And it was for only like two dollars a pair. I mean, it's really cheap quality, but come leg day, I'm I'm good. You better wash. Just those. wanted to share that. You better wash those when you get them. Always. Uh, Will, I'll tell you, we are joined today by a guy that's been writing for quite some time. I, I mean, a decade plus now uh, from the SA Current. Uh, it's Mr. Manuel Solis. Thank you so much for joining. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. Doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so you're ready to talk basketball with us. I know this is your account, the San Antonio Spurs are your account for the for the current. So, uh, you know, we're expecting big things. <laughs> well, hey, man, I've been covering the team since uh, 05, so if I don't have some good stories, I guess I'm not doing my job right. <laughs> well, you know, one that kind of gets into to something early that I wanted to talk to you about, because when we were doing prep for the show, you sent over a couple of links to articles that you've been doing, and one of the links that you sent uh, was from 2006, and I never saw this. And like I said, I'm a, a reader of the current, uh, and, you know, really enjoy the stuff that's there, and fan of fan of yours. But I I don't recall this event ever happening, and so I'm hoping you can describe for me the the Tony Parker, uh, you know, <laughs> rap battle or whatever he was doing in Houston. <laughs> I mean, this, that was just insane. The way you wrote it, I was it was very descriptive, and so hopefully you can can lead our listeners through it, but. Uh, I just had – I remember something like about this with Tony Parker was coming out with an album or s- something like that. Uh, but the, the, the way that you painted the picture of that night seems just insane. Uh, but but give, me a, give us a rundown of that. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Well, this was uh, back in 06 in Houston uh, when Tony Parker was, you know, embarking on his short-lived rap career. You know, he was rhyming in French uh, but, you know, had some, had some good beats. 
Um, I really wasn't clear about what he was saying, but, you know, he was getting a lot of traction, getting a lot of movement on what he was doing. So at uh, All-Star Weekend at Houston that year, uh, he had his, you know, performing debut at this hotel, you know, at, at an after party. And if you've ever been, you know, to All-Star Weekend, that's pretty much where the Black Super Bowl label comes from. It's from, like, going to these after parties where you have, you know, R. Kelly doing a, a show that Mike Tyson is at. Or you have, you know, Funkmaster Flex spinning at an event where Vince Young is at, which was kind of what happened on that evening. But, yeah, so basically, you know, Tony goes up there and he does his thing. And, you know, you have the media kind of like standing there awkwardly on the wings. But, um, you know, he was he was able to rock it and, and he was able to get get a number one album in France, from what I understand, out of it. But, uh, you know, that was the first time I'd ever been to All-Star Weekend and, and covered that kind of event. So, it's something that always sticks out to me, you know, years later, having covered, you know, several All-Star Weekends. Um, it's just kind of how you still have that magic that happens, you know, in the venues on All-Star Saturday night. But if you're kind of looking for that same energy, like that, that kind of like prize fight energy that All-Star Weekend used to have back in the day, then I think it's it's usually found in those venues, like those after parties where, you know, you have these crazy mashups of, of people from all over the place. <laughs> So is this your, would you say that's your specialty then is covering All-Star Weekend? Because to, to, I mean, you know that those are the venues that you need to get to, right? I mean, that's kind of a, a known thing that there's, there's the game and there's some of those festivities, but you need to go find, you need to go find the after party, right? You need to go find the other, <laughs> but being able to scout those things out and know where that's going to be, I would never be able to find that out. How do you yeah. <laughs> get ingrained in that? Like, how do you know? the culture well enough to say, oh, I need to be at this hotel at 1 a.m. and then I need to get across town and be at this place at 3 a.m. Uh, or 2 a.m. To, to, to make it happen, to, to write your story. How do you how do you know where to be? Well, I mean, back then, like when that happened, I was doing a lot of writing for Double uh, XL. So kind of through that network, I was able to kind of, you know, make a connection and, and be in touch with, you know, Tony's people. Um, I think these days, I mean, to be honest, the, the last uh, All-Star Weekend that I covered was uh, New York in 2015. And so basically for that, you know, I just followed, you know, what the what the older, more experienced cats were doing, you know, like the Michael Wilbons of the world. You know, I would just, you know, talk to him for a little bit and see what he had going on. And, you know, I made sure to try to get to that same spot. So um, I'm sure there's other elements that come into play, obviously, like social media. Uh, but yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a lot of time. A lot of times if you're there, it's kind of just you know, boots on the ground, see, see where people are moving to. And believe it or not, like uh, the folks that actually work the All-Star Weekend events, like they usually know what's going on. You know, like they're really helpful. Uh, you know, they can tell you like, hey, this is a spot to be at. So I guess it's a combination of all those things. But, um, you know, to me, I've, I've been to Houston. I've been to Dallas. I've been to New York um, over four different events. And um, I really do think uh, Houston kind of, you know, has, has a really good lock on, on, you know, events, on taking care of people. And, of course, you know, you're not going to complain about the weather. It's not, it's not as cold as New York is in February, for sure. Or, or the Toronto game the other year, right? <laughs> there you go. That there just you seemed go. brutal. Brutal. So, but, <laughs> but this year, again, it's down um, in our neck of the woods, down in the south. And uh, it's over in New Orleans. So do you have big expectations for the New Orleans All-Star game? Let me put it All-Star you know weekend. I don't know what the, what the game's going to look like, but the weekend seems like it should be epic. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm really looking forward to watching Jonathan Simmons and the Rising Stars Challenge, you know, tonight. I think um, if you look at kind of his journey, like the progression of his career, it seems that this is something that, that's built for him, you know, with his kind of like high motor his ability to finish at the rim, you know, this is kind of the kind of exhibition game that that he should excel at. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I think um, when you look at the All Star Saturday Night Night events, I think uh, Aaron Gordon's probably going to take the dunk contest. You know, he, he should have won it last year. Mm -hmm. Very creative, um, but I think this is the year where he takes it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the the dark horse candidate, uh, Derek Jones Jr is able to put on a show, but, you know, that's kind of asking the a lot. dude who's for, never played. Yeah, that's kind of asking minutes, a lot. You know? For, yeah, for a guy to have not played, you know, to go from, from that to this type of stage, 
Um, if he's able to pull it off, you know, God bless him. But you know, I just I just have a feeling that Aaron Gordon's gonna gonna step up on that um, three point contest. Uh, I think Kyrie. I think Kyrie is slept on. So I mean, he won it a few years back. Um, he came in second to Steph in New York. So I think he may surprise people. You know, if he doesn't win it, it's probably gonna be Clay. But you know, it'd be it'd be good to see just them go go head to head on that. And then um, the game itself, I think, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier is I think uh, the All-Star game, um, you know, it's, it's not as competitive as it's been in the past. Um, I remember growing up in San Antonio, you know, All-Star weekend, specifically the All-Star game was something that people would get excited and gather around, you know, especially us having only one professional sports team. And, um, you know, specifically, I remember the All-Star weekend in all-star game that happened in Miami in 1990 because that was the same night that Mike Tyson you know went down to Buster Douglas and so I specifically remember like you know watching the game with with the party like family and people switching from you know the all-star game to Mike Tyson and back and uh you know the all-star game back then had that kind of juice still had that kind of energy so you know I, I hope I hope uh we get a little bit competitive this time around I actually think um, I'm probably going to go against what most people would say, but I think the East is going to step up this year. I think um, you know if if you if not if not aware, they've actually won the All Star game the past two times that it's been in New Orleans. So I don't know what's what's up in, in the gumbo for the West or you know what's going on with that. But I think it'd be cool to see the East you know win one. They haven't won one in a while, and uh, I kind of have a suspicion that Carmelo Anthony. Uh, dark horse candidate for MVP. <laughs> do you think it's going to be on purpose, though? Like, do you think he's just going to say, you know what? He, he barely got in there. He might get traded, or he was going to get traded. Uh, you know what? I- I'll go with you on that. I agree with him wholeheartedly. If he wins the All-Star MVP, I think Phil Jackson gets canned. I think that they're just <laughs> going to put everything on Melo after that. So, bless his heart, I think he's going to win, too. <laughs> Jose, are hey. you even going to watch the game? No, that's my rest day. Of course, uh, yeah, that's there's right. no, there's no competitiveness anymore. You know, no. I, I think they got the talent. I think they have to give them something. You yeah, know, at, at yeah. least, the, at least the home court goes to whatever conference wins. And those guys are gonna, you're probably gonna see the games in the 50s or 60s because it's gonna be so competitive. I think they have to put something to it. it it's just not that much fun. But you know, uh, he, he mentioned the dark horse and the. In the uh, uh, dunk contest, I'll, t- I'll take Jonathan Simmons. I think he's a dark horse. I think he can just jump. Uh, he hasn't been too creative on the jumps, on the, on the dunks, but you know, we'll see what he has. Just don't, uh, you know, if he embarrasses us, then we'll still love him, right? So, Yeah. Well, actually, well, I don't, I, I'm not sure if he actually made it, did he, after all? I don't think he's um, in the dunk contest. Yeah, I heard he was going to be in. Oh, okay. Yeah, nah, he's got this. He's got this. Never mind. <laughs> he should have his yeah, own no worries, man. No worries. No, I think what happened is that he was planning on being in the dunk contest, and then you know that wrist injury and you know other stuff came into play. So I think he just decided to focus on the rising stars since he had already been invited to that and uh, the rest of the season, from what I understand. But but you know, I think it would have been dope if he would have been in the dunk contest. Then definitely. I would have put him at the top of the list just because he's a spur. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, I'm, I very much want to go down the path that Jose was getting to about how do you incentivize, you know, the, the both teams, both all-star teams, to really take this seriously? Because the game is unwa- it's totally unwatchable. Uh, mm-hmm. And you get to be the MVP and, uh, and so what. I mean, I, I guess that's great for your, for your mantle. But when uh, – when, what was it? Glenn, Glenn Rice was the MVP. What is, has the record, I think, is 20 points in a quarter. And that's, that was exciting. And that was kind of the last time that this was exciting to me. And that's been 20 years, right? That was the original Charlotte Hornets, right, back in those days. So mm-hmm. the, it, it's just this is not a meaningful experience any longer. It's more about the atmosphere and the weekend, as, as you alluded to. So how do they incentivize these teams to take this seriously? Is it something like a Jose says where we should do baseball rules and, and the winner gets home court in the, uh, in, in the, in the playoffs or in the, the finals? It, do you go to that extreme? Because that's, um, that's a, a monumental swing of the pendulum. I mean, that's so significant that Jose's right. It's going to be 50 to 60 is how the, how the game's going to be ended. And that's not good either. Is there some way to incentivize them? I know in the in the NFL they're they're talking about 
um, big time game checks, uh, mm-hmm. you know, almost in the million dollar range to, uh, to the teams that win. So is that what we should expect here? Or should they have like an after party with R. Kelly? Should it just be like something like that where you can incentivize these guys to take the game seriously? What do you think? Yeah, well, it's it's interesting that you bring it up because um, I think uh, in terms of like the core audience, like you have the casual viewer that'll maybe turn in, you know, just for this. And then, you know, I have a 10 year old son and he loves watching the Pro Bowl and he loves watching, you know, the All-Star game. And, and so it makes me think that that's the demographic that these things are kind of like built for, you know, for the young fans who just want to see, you know, their, their favorite players like ball out regardless of what league it is. But um, I think in terms of, of, of getting a little bit more competitive, I like the idea that was floated a while back about changing the format where it was kind of like international players versus, you know, NBA players, you know, kind of a little bit of a Olympic vibe to it. Um, I don't know if that would be enough to make it, you know, truly competitive. I think the international players would maybe take it more serious than, than you know, our guys. But um, I, I see what's going on with baseball and what they did with the World Series. And, you know, why not switch it up? You know, why not try something new? I think we have a commissioner in place now who's kind of willing to, to roll the dice and, and try new things. So, you know, why not give it a shot? I mean, I think... Ultimately, you know, uh, that might be the only way for the guys to take it seriously is if it actually, like, means something. If, if, if the person, the conference that wins is going to have home court in the finals, then, you know, you know these guys are going to be sweating and playing serious for sure. I got a better idea. Okay. okay. Hear this out, guys. The winning team, no, the losing team at whatever conference, that team has to forcefully go to the White House and meet Donald Trump, have lunch with him, spend a whole day with him. And then also in those in the Eastern Conference, whoever wins, like if the East wins, then the East always has to stay at a Trump hotel. Can you imagine that? The losing team has to go meet him and then stay at one at his hotels every time, you know, for away games. Can you imagine how competitive that'd be? That'd be awesome. Great TV. <laughs> See, what you don't realize is that Jose is a massive Donald Trump fan. Uh, which is part of the contention of this show, uh, and, and so I'm, I'm I'm really taken aback. I'm not sure why the roles are reversed here, and now he's picking on his own guy. Because I love trolling. I am a troll. You love trolling Sometimes. more than you love Trump. Well, no. I mean, remember that book from uh, Audible.com, that Greg Gutfeld book. I mean, it's taught me how to win political discussions, but also troll people. So I'm in troll mode with that. I think it'd be awesome. I think he'd enjoy it. I, I, I mean, not 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 having lunch with a bunch of people that don't want to be there. Obviously not, but I mean, it'd be fun. I agree. So so let's let's talk about all star, not even snubs, but the but the lineups. Um, and I, I want to see if you guys agree with with these lineups and the way that they're um, you know the, the way that they're broken out, starters and reserves. And you start in the East, and it's hard to to disagree with a starting lineup of of Kyrie, Demar Derozan, LeBron, of course. Giannis is there, and then Jimmy Butler there. Does anybody have beef with the starters, or, or you know who who's been selected in the East to start? And then, well, I guess we'll start with you. Do you do you object to any of those? Um, you know, I'm I'm okay with with everyone that was selected. I think um, you know if you look at the East overall, it's kind of like a weaker field, obviously. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I, I thought it was interesting that uh, that Carmelo didn't make the cut from the beginning. Yeah. You know, going back to him, uh, but you know, his team hasn't really been that playing that that well, and um, there's a lot of drama going on over there. So I, I can understand that. Um, you know, I, th- I think overall they they were right on that point. I'm actually surprised there, um, and Jose, let me know your thoughts on this. But the way that Porzingis is hyped up, I'm surprised that Porzingis isn't in there as a reserve. And the other one that I want to point out is, as much as we bag on Paul Millsap, there he is yet again as an all-star reserve. And the guy that we thought was carrying Atlanta didn't make it uh, in Al Horford, who's you know now a Boston Celtic. So talk about those two things, Jose. Should Porzingis have been there? And should Porzingis maybe have been the replacement for Kevin Love instead of Carmelo? And, and then talk about Paul Millsap and Al Horford and that change. How many questions are you asking me, bro? The Jeez, same, the, um, it's the same story every time, man. I ask you like five questions in, in one. They build on each uh, other. 
Okay, well, the Porzingis one, I think so. I think uh, Melo got the Kobe treatment, sort of like, you know, he's he's a veteran. Porzingis is going to get those opportunities. I am upset at the uh, the East roster in a whole, as a whole. I'm upset that the Blazers are not included in the Eastern Conference because I am sick of Damian Lillard not being selected as an all-star. So I, they should just move the Blazers to the East so he can make it every year, deservingly so. He's getting screwed over in the West. He's getting uh, looked over, and it's it's frankly disgusting, my friend. Uh, what was the other question? The the Paul Millsap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, he he's changed his game up really. I mean, it, it's kind of shown that he's been the constant, I guess. Um, uh, the uh, the you know, the sexy pick was always Al Horford because he was the tall, defensive, you know, post up guy. He leaves, but then you kind of know that it was Millsap the whole time that you really loved, and he's always been there for you. So I'm I'm kind of glad that happened. Uh, was there any other questions? I think I answered them all. I think you did. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the West. In the West, you've got two Golden State Warriors starting, and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, Steph Curry's having another great year. Kevin Durant's having another great year. He's gotten himself into the MVP discussion even ahead of Steph Curry on his own team, which is really exciting. Um, of course, you've got James Harden there, and we'll, we'll talk about candidacy for MVP in, in here in just a bit. Of course, you have San Antonio Spurs' very own Kawhi Leonard there uh, as a starter. And then I want to center on Anthony Davis, uh, no pun intended. Anthony Davis is having a fine year on a bad team, best player on his team, carrying that crew, although they're, they're not going anywhere. Clearly, Anthony Davis is getting the hometown treatment because you can't say Anthony Davis is having more of an impact on his team or having a better season than DeMarcus Cousins for the Sacramento Kings, who made it but as a reserve. You know, Manuel, what do you, what do you think about that? Should, should Anthony Davis be in the starting lineup for any other reason than – the game is in New Orleans, and he's a Pelican. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of touched on it right there. Is is that's that's it? You know, he, the game is in New Orleans. He's a pe- he's a Pelican. They need you know a, a, an ambassador from from the home team there. You know, they need a face for the event. Um, so I, I think that's kind of what fell fell into play on that. Aside from from you know fan voting and whatnot, um, you know. It's been crazy with the West. Uh, yeah, obviously, you know, Westbrook should have been a starter, you know. Um, I think... Yeah, you, you say know, that, but who would, have, who would have not been the starter then? I mean, it's Harden is, is amazing this year, having one of the best years that any Rocket has ever had. He's got to be a starter. And then you look at Steph Curry, he's having another unbelievable year. He's got to be a starter. So who, which of those two should not be a starter just so Russell Westbrook can get in the lineup? I don't know. I think for me, I'm, I'm kind of stepped out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he's an amazing player. Um, obviously, MVP. Um, I just think, you know, with Durant over there now, uh, they still have Clay. You know, Draymond's doing his thing. It just seems like, uh, you know, a guy averages a triple-double. I mean, you got to find a place for him in, in that lineup. So that's just me. I mean, that could, that could be coming from my, you know, jilted perspective perspective as growing up in san antonio but uh you know i, I just I, yeah, I respect what what that guy's done you know it hasn't been done in a while um for some people it's just kind of numbers and it's it's what where the league is at now but you know i think i think it is is something to be respected and um he's still going to be in the game as a reserve so there's that and um there's still a very good shot that he'll win mvp this would be the third year in a row <laughs> unfortunately it's the all-star game mvp so it doesn't really carry like a lot of weight right. but it's still impressive well what do you think about the prospect um of having russell westbrook on the court at the same time as kevin durant of course steve kerr is, is coaching this year what do you think of that prospect of having those those two together jose uh, I don't think he's going to put them just those two together. I think I think you're going to see him again. Just be smart, trying to be funny. He's going to put the all four Warriors in there next to Westbrook. If I'm Westbrook, I just walk off the court. I just go back to the locker room to a standing ovation. The crowd going crazy, chanting my name uh, because I mean, it, it, again, it's 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 just not going to work. And back to your both of your guys' points earlier. Uh, I just hated the voting this year. Anthony Davis does deserve to be there. Kevin Durant does not deserve to be there. Kawhi should be in that small forward position. 
You you put uh, Boogie at the starting center with uh, Anthony Davis, and Steph Curry does not deserve to be a starter. It should be Westbrook. If it was handled by the coaches, you'd only have two Warriors. You would not have four Warriors on this All-Star uh, roster because the deserving starters would be in, in there, and Steph and Durant would be coming off the bench, so... I just wanted to rant on that. Rant on that, but I, I hope I hope that uh, that Kerr doesn't you know try to you know test anything because it, it seems like for us it's kind of funny. But remember, Westbrook doesn't have our sense of humor. He's sort of, he's sort of like a you know uh, he takes everything uh, emotionally. You know, he's seriously so. Uh, and if you remember, uh, if it wasn't for all those years that Durant sort of quieted quieted him down. Uh, he would have been a lot louder, a lot more controversial, and now he doesn't have Durant to do that. So uh, I just wouldn't test it. I, I, I think he will. I think he'll put the four Warriors in there with him. I don't think it's going to do any good. You, you might see some something funny. Maybe he steals the ball from Steph, or for, you know he t- just takes it away, plays defense on his own teammates, and just uh, runs with it. Who knows? But uh, hopefully, it's just entertaining. Well, what do you think about DeAndre Jordan's selection um, to to represent the Clippers? on this all-star team. I, I feel like he's having a fine year, but you could have you could have gotten a little funny with the lineups there and, and reduced a front-court player and added in Damian Lillard, to your point earlier, Jose. It seems like DeAndre Jordan is the odd man out. Because if you look at the reserves, um, you've got Russell Westbrook, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Boogie Cousins, Marcus Ole, and Gordon Haywood. Uh, Hayward, all all you know, deserving people on on that roster, and then you've got DeAndre Jordan, who's a single dimensional, singularly dimensional. What am I trying to say? He doesn't have a lot of dimensions to his game, and he's out there. He's out there as a, as a reserve. He seems to be you know the thing that doesn't look like all the others. You know, Manuel, what do you what do you think about DeAndre Jordan being a member of, of the All Star Reserve team? Yeah, it kind of reminds me of when Rodman. I think made the all-star team and, you know, he was kind of just like rebounding and out there. Um, I could be wrong on that, but um, I think DeAndre, you know, he's, he's, he's a good athlete, man. He's, he can, he can uh, rebound, he can block shots, he can't make free throws. But um, I do respect your opinion in terms of Damian Lillard, you know, I mean, why not throw Damian Lillard in there? He's kind of been snubbed the past few years. Um, he's worthy of an all-star selection. You can tell he really wants it. That's mm-hmm. the other part I think that makes it so hard is like this guy, like, you know, he's striving to reach that point. And I think in his mind, like he has, he just hasn't been acknowledged. So, I mean, you know, I think the, the Clippers, they, they, get a lot, they still get a lot of love um, in terms of, you know, commercially on Madison Avenue. Um, I mean, whether it's Blake, whether it's DeAndre, whether it's Chris Paul. So, I mean, I'm not mad at, at, at him being in there because he's, he's a Texas guy. But, you know, I think it would have been fun, a little bit more fun if, if, like you said, they played with the lineups and, you know, give Lillard a shot. Yeah, what do you think, Jose, about there being four Warriors uh, just in total in, in the West and San Antonio, and this has been highly publicized, and Marcus Aldridge has had his very direct comments about this, but you, you have four Warriors in the All-Star uh, lineup, and you only have one San Antonio Spur, even though they're separated by just a few games and are clearly the top two uh, teams in the West at, right now. How, how can there be such a disparity between what's going on in, on the, you know, the Golden State Warriors versus what's going on with San Antonio? As far as representation uh, well, for, goes, well, first I want to—it's one-dimensional, not single-single-dimensional. Uh, I was thinking—you made me remember those old Teenage Mutant, Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, cartoons with Krang, you know, from like Dimension <laughs> X. With all your talk, um, wow. and, and you know, uh, let me chime in on, on the DeAndre thing. I, I think this is where I was we trying to sound professional. Where, this is where we <laughs> all can agree on it is that it's not the fact that he's one-dimensional; it's the fact that he's one-dimensional, but that one dimension is highly. Uh, he highly relies on a teammate to get him there. You know, like all he can do is really dunk. So he's an alley oop guy. It's kind of like depends me. on kind of like my game. Yeah, absolutely. But he's dependent on Chris Paul or whatever other guard to get him the ball. So it's not like he can do it by himself. Uh, so really, uh, again, you know, Lillard should have been in there. I have, you know, I honestly have no problem with four Warriors being represented uh, compared to two Spurs. You know, LaMarcus has struggled. I think mm-hmm. he's he's either – he doesn't have that fire in him. He doesn't really feel comfortable in the system. Or he's – you know, he's he's not playing as hard as he should be. 
if you saw him in Portland, I mean, he would get really creative with the off with his offense. He'd get it, uh, you know, at the high post or wherever he'd get it uh, in the elbow, uh, and then he'd, uh, you know, move around, dribble, shoot over guys, go left, go right. I mean, now in San Antonio, all he does is he gets the ball, he either shoots it or he goes down, you know, he dribbles in the middle and gets double teamed or triple teamed, and then he either puts up a bad shot. Or he, you know, he he's too late to pass it, or you know, there's really not that much ball movement there, uh, because again, the defense is just uh, collapsing on him instead of forcing, you know, uh, them to think twice about what they're doing. So I really have no problem with that. Uh, you know, I I, I just I, I just wish he he sort of scouted his own game mm-hmm. and see what he's doing differently, and uh, you know, he probably would have deserved uh, an All Star nod. But again, you know, Kawhi's just carrying the team. You sort of see the difference. When Kawhi's not in there, if Lamarcus would be that dominant big man uh, and he'd control the game and he'd uh, get open looks for the rest of the guys consistently, I would say absolutely he should be in the, in the conversation. But really, when Kawhi's been out of the game or he's been hurt or he's fell ill, well, we know who's really carrying that team. So I have no problem with it as far as the representation from the Spurs. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you because I I, I kind of have a problem with that being that many Warriors on the roster and there's no Damian Lillard. I, I feel like that's just a, a problem. It's over representation. Plus the coach is a warrior. Uh, it just seems like we're, we're getting too much Oakland in, in my Western conference right now. That said, LaMarcus Aldridge is not having an all-star year. He's having a 15 and 10 year, which is fine. Uh, it's kind of ho-hum, but it's below his standard. And quite frankly, that, I mean, that output is not that different than what Pau Gasol is, is offering the Spurs either. Uh, I, I look at the the uh, Don, DeAndre Jordan inclusion, and I think, well, maybe there's an argument that could be made that a consistent 15-10 and 10 guy should go in place of DeAndre Jordan, who's really one-dimensional, Jose, one-dimensional. Uh, that, that all being said, it's, it's kind of a toss-up because LaMarcus is just not having an all-star year. Now, well, what do you think about LaMarcus Aldridge and his claim I guess his, it's not even a claim because he, he never said I should be in, but you know you can infer that from his comments about you know they have four all stars and we only have one and there's a problem with that. Yeah, well, it kind of reminds me of um, you know back when the Celtics and the and uh, Miami, you know, were kind of going at it um, when you know Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, you know, on the on the Heat side you had a uh, you know LeBron, Dwayne Wade, um, and so. It, Kind of that and also the Westbrook situation, it, it, it's very similar, I think, where, you know, you're going to have like these factions of, of people in the locker room that, you know, one person's thinking one way, one person's thinking the other way. But more specifically in regards to LaMarcus, um, you know, it would be great if there was another spur on that roster, on that all-star roster. But I agree with you guys. I mean, he just hasn't done enough this season to get there. Um, and then it just, to me, it just makes me wonder, you know, what, what's going on with him and how well is he really adjusting, you know, to, to being here? Um, I thought it was kind of interesting, like the comments that he, that he made was something like, you know, I'm getting used to, you know, pop being disappointed with, with whatever we do. And, um, you know, I, I just think it takes a, a special player to, to be a spur to, as pop says, get over oneself. And then just to be able to accept that that kind of coaching, you know, like these guys are millionaires, you know, first and foremost, they're millionaires. So, I mean, how much are they willing to to take, you know? Do you think that he misrepresented himself or, or do you think it's it's that serious or do we have a different impression of him than maybe we should have? Because I, I remember having this conversation over the summer with, with Jose and this two summers ago with Jose and Aaron Prine and, the, you know, some of the Project Spurs guys talking about, man, LaMarcus Aldridge, that is the supreme cultural fit here, right? And he and we got him because of he's a cultural fit and he would identify with his culture and he's just the perfect, you know, prototype of a San Antonio Spur. But from what you're saying there, I'm inferring that maybe he's not a, a cultural fit. Should I infer that from what you're saying? Well, I just think that, you know, when, when – when you look at these players, when it comes down to contracts and, um, you know, incentives and things of that nature, you know, uh, a lot of times it's the stats, you know, it, it's based on statistics. It's based on how many points, 
you know, how many rebounds, how many wins. Um, not everybody can be Manu Ginobili. You know, that's that's the one thing that I think, aside from Tim Duncan, that the Spurs have been blessed with is is you have, you know, these two guys who are willing to buy into the system and to forego, you know, a lot of a lot of individual accolades and um, and be OK with that. You know, but again, not not everybody can be Manu Ginobili. And so when you have a guy that's coming in into the system who wasn't drafted by the club, um, you know, who was the man where he came from before, like, I guess I, I just think it, it might take more than one season to get where he is comfortable and where he wants to be, I guess. You know, so I'm not saying he, he's, he's a bad fit. You know, I think he's done a good job while he's been here. You know, like I pull for him. You know, there's a lot of people in this area because of his, you know, Longhorn connections mm-hmm. that want to see him succeed. And um, I, I think eventually he's going to f- figure it out. But it's not as easy, I guess, you know, coming from situation in Portland to the situation in San Antonio and once again allowing yourself to be coached, I guess. You know, I, I agree fully with that. And I think that's why a lot of fans, you know, for every team, they're very nervous about trading for a guy on a bad team because that guy is always going to overachieve. Portland never really had championship aspirations. They just wanted to get a little bit better and a little bit better. And if they got a little bit worse, well, I mean, that's okay because we were never in that discussion. Now he's in a situation where you remember what you, how, how well you played over there in Portland. you got to be consistent here. You're going to be the guy here. And remember, he had Lillard who, I mean, they would work a two-man game. Now it's a different situation when you have the small forward and the power forward. You can't really go pick and roll every time or pick and pop every time. I mean, it has to be Kawhi up, up at the top or Tony, you know, picking and rolling with, with the power forward of the center. Sometimes he's going to be the third option. So it, it, it takes a lot to get used to. I, I, I think, you know, if he does feel that way, it's that, uh, I guess, self con. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to say it right or even explain it right, but sort of that self conscious entitlement where, like, you know, I'm a superstar. You know, the, the, I'm the second guy on this team. It's okay. And then you have a guy like Pop that's saying, no, you got to be playing better every time. And I think that's where you miss a Tim Duncan in hit, uh, a um, cons- consistently great Tim Duncan. Because remember, Tim, when, when Lamarcus went to the Spurs, Tim was already, you know, at the end of the road. He retired after that season. You know, it was different when Duncan was the main guy when he was in his prime with the group because if he got screamed at, if he was told to play better, if he never gave up, if he tried harder every play, you had no excuse to do it. That wasn't the same Duncan that he saw. So, you know, maybe he didn't have that same motivation or that same uh, uh, pressure to be uh, to have that same attitude like Duncan. So maybe this is a new atmosphere also that we're seeing with the Spurs because this isn't really the same. uh, I mean, it, it could be the same system, but it's really, in my opinion, it's not really the same culture anymore. I think it might be pushing to the Kawhi culture, but I don't even think Kawhi knows what his cult or how he's going to establish that yet. Yeah, I think for me, um, going back to LaMarcus, um, when I see him play and I kind of see how things worked out in the playoffs last year, I feel he's just a little bit more David Robinson than he is Tim Duncan. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I just think it's going to take him some time to get where, you know, maybe the franchise wants him to get. Yep, absolutely. But before we move on to the second half of our of our show, we're going to go not necessarily around the NBA, but we're going to talk about the story of the NBA so far. Let's take a moment for our sponsor, uh, Audible.com. So for you, the, the listeners of the Spurs cast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial. Give you the opportunity to check out their service, check out what they're all about. Uh, you know, I know, Jose, you're, you're going to download uh, Glow, the Rick James story. And you're going to take a listen to that, and you're going to get inspired by all things Rick James. Uh, So if you were going to encourage our listeners to do the same thing, you could point them towards uh, audibletrial.com slash almighty. That's audibletrial.com slash A-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y. And get the the free audio book and and, and a 30-day trial. So uh, take a time out and go do that. Help them out. Help us out. So let's move on to to the second half of the season. Um, and and uh, well, the, let's tell the story of the first half of the season, and then move on to the second half. Uh, Manuel, what's what's been the the uh, most disappointing team in your eyes so far in the NBA? Um, I'm not sure about the entire NBA, but I can tell you my most disappointing team. Um, I went to college in Minnesota, so I've 
been very disappointed in the Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, Tom Thibodeau being there, Carl Anthony Towns being the Rookie of the Year, Andrew Wiggins still around, Zach Levine still around. Um, I just expected more from them this season. And, um, you know, I understand when, when a team or a franchise has kind of been in a rut for a while, it, it takes a while. It takes some time to, to, to change the culture, so to speak. But I don't know. I just felt, I mean, in terms of, of the win and loss column, in terms of the standings, I just expected them to be in a better place. That's all. That's mine also. That's mine also. Remember, I had the Timberwolves in the playoffs. I had Carl Anthony Towns as the MVP. And look what they do to me. This is the last <laughs> year I'm going to pick them. I promised myself that I wouldn't get excited. But, I mean, w- what are you going to do? Yeah, you know what they need. You, no, I'm, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give them a free, a free advice on how to fix the team. You <laughs> trade Andrew Wiggins. Ready for this, guys? You trade Andrew Wiggins to the Cavs for Kevin Love. Situation fixed. <laughs> I guarantee that. Well, right Seriously, now they, they LeBron gets his playmaker. LeBron gets his playmaker, <laughs> and uh, I mean Kevin Love helps Cat, you know, uh, dominate the paint, and he can stretch out, shoot the three. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful game. Well, they need a lot of help because they're uh, 22-35 on the year, which is good for third worst in the Western Conference. Uh, I'll tell you, my most disappointing team is actually an Eastern Conference team. And I jokingly had the New York Knicks advancing in the playoffs. Um, the, the, the challenge there is that they assembled what they called themselves a super team. And you look at them, <laughs> even though you have members of that team that are definitely past their, their prime, um, you look at... Przingis, who's supposed to be an up-and-comer. Then you add to him, you know, Walking Noah, who's supposed to be, uh, you know, a, a solid center, uh, who's always hurt now. Then you had Derrick Rose, who if, if he's on fire, he's pretty good. We're seeing him up his game as of late, and he got off to, you know, a, a great start and had a wonderful game against the Spurs themselves a few a few nights ago. Um, then you have Cormelo Anthony, and you just think that in – you know, we're a couple of years into the Phil Jackson thing. They've got, you know, their coaching situation somewhat figured out, or at least they think so. Um, I, you know, I thought that they would be further along than, than what they are. I mean, and they are, I mean, they're horrible. It's an absolute dumpster fire. Um, there are some people who think they can make a run and maybe get into that seventh or eighth spot. I think they're actually going to go the other way pretty quickly. And if they do something with Carmelo and are able to, to unload Carmelo and trade him, even if it is for something wild, like, you know, somehow they do get Kevin Love and some other stuff um, for for Carmelo or, or vice versa, they're they're just going to go further south. And, you know, right now they're, they have the fourth worst record in the East at 23 and 34. Although it's not impossible for them to get into the playoffs, it's pretty tough to be in New York right now. And I just I feel like the Knicks. That's probably my di- most disappointing team so far, other than the Timberwolves, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how about your no your, free advice? No free advice on how to fix them. I've got no free advice. I, I just call <laughs> out problems. I don't have solutions. How, how about Put Spike in charge? Give Spike a shot. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, hey, I mean, it, it's worse. <laughs> it can't get. You're right. It can't get any worse for sure. But let's talk about you know midseason MVP so far. Um, and, and I always say this, and Jose knows this, and he, he, he has a, a little bit of a hatred built up in him about this. If I wasn't a Spurs guy, I'd be a, a, a Rockets guy. And mm-hmm. so I'm a little bit, um, you know, biased in this. But for me, it's, it's an absolute no-brainer discussion that James Harden is the, is the midseason MVP, and he'll be the MVP of the league when it's all said and done. He's third uh, and this is my case for, for James Harden. He's third in the league for points per game, 29.2 points per game. He's first in the league in assists with 11.3. That's almost a full assist more than his closest competition, John Wall in Washington. Uh, he's on a team that's got the third best record in the West. I believe is going to be, by the end of the year, is going to have the second best record in the West. Um, James Harden's playing lights out. He's totally changed his game. Um, and you know, keep scoring a lot of three pointers, but also dishing out a lot of uh, a lot of assists to allow his team to make those three pointers. He's totally reinvigorated um, an already stellar career by adapting um, to uh, to you know the new coach and and, uh, and and being able to really mold his game in a way that's going to make the Houston Rockets very successful. For me, it's no brainer. James Harden's the MVP of the first half of the year. 
Manuel, what do you think? Man, I, I have no problem agreeing with you on that. You know, I think Harden gets look under is a little underrated in terms of uh, of what he brings to the table. You know, I think um, he was slept on when he was with the Thunder. Um, even when he came to Houston, it took a little while for people to kind of embrace him as an MVP candidate. But I mean, he has the numbers. I mean, he can pass, he can shoot, he can make free throws. Pretty much anything you want, like he's able to provide. But, you know, I look at, at, at what's going around here in San Antonio and, and I just say, like, Ka- Kawhi not. Why not Kawhi? You know, we have a better record. You know, Kawhi's put, put up a, a strong, you know, string of numbers on his own. He plays better defense than Harden, which I'm sure we can all agree on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm cool with Harden. But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if Kawhi keeps rising in terms of his stats, then maybe he overtakes that spot. Well, what does he do to get into that conversation? Because when you talk about MVP of the league, people aren't talking about Kawhi. I mean, it's usually Harden, Westbrook, Durant, and then maybe Kawhi. He's kind of in that LeBron James category where he's kind of third, fourth, fifth in in the discussion for, for MVP. How does he get into the top two? Really, I think the only way he gets there is if the Spurs can can really get like on a good run and get even closer to Golden State, if not surpass Golden State. I mean, that's kind of far-fetched, just seeing the way that, that team is constructed and what they're capable of. But if you're asking what it's going to take, then that's probably what it would take, is for them to either match or surpass the record in Oakland, but you know, I'm not crossing my fingers or you know, holding my breath to see if that's going to happen. Yeah, Jose, how about you? How about midseason MVP? I still got to go with Russ. He he has uh, less help than all the other guys. I mean, uh, at least with that D'Antoni, I think that's that that uh, help that's helped Harden. Harden is playing at an off position, so even you know, it, it's hard to guard it. Uh, he's excelled extremely well in it uh but again that that system has helped them so uh i i think westbrook just has been in extremely ridiculous uh given the situation uh he hasn't been able to do it all but he's done more than enough so uh i i think he's the most valuable i i, I don't think um it's gonna be a how do you say it injustice yeah right injustice disservice to the people uh, if a warrior wins it, you, you can't have an MVP with four superstars or four all-stars on the team. Uh, I, I agree with you guys. If San Antonio moves up to the to the first seat, I think Kawhi should take it because he's he's been the guy uh, for San Antonio. LaMarcus has really been disappointing. Uh, so, I you know, and you see that when he's not on the court. That's how valuable he is. So uh, as long as a warrior doesn't win it, I'm OK with it. But I'll say Westbrook. Yeah. So I think it's interesting, though. I, I don't think um, Oscar Robinson. Uh, Robertson won the MVP when he averaged a triple double. So, man, what what do you have to do to get that? <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, you have to be on a team that's going places, right? And mm-hmm. that's the biggest knock against Oklahoma City is these are all empty statistics. You know, Russell Westbrook's doing. I mean, he's averaging a triple double, which is it's almost unheard of, except for Oscar Robertson, right? But with this, his team is horrible. Uh, mm-hmm. And they're going to continue to be bad because he's he's unless they get some serious help. Now they know Canner's out, uh, and I don't know how much longer he's out, but that's not helping them at all. Uh, he's got no assistance on that team. I'm surprised actually at his at, at Russell Westbrook's assist numbers. I, I'm re- I mean it's he's doing everything he can to get those assists, but you see that those assists aren't coming on uh, three pointers or you know the mid range game. All of his assists, and there was I, I looked at some stat on this, and I'm sure we can dig it up off NBA.com, but all of his assists are happening in the paint, which is pretty amazing. I mean, he's d- driving in and then handing it off to somebody three feet away from the basket. And he's doing that because he has no shooters, right? Mm-hmm. And it, the Rockets, I mean, James Harden is clearly benefiting from the, from the standpoint that you know he's got shooters all around him now. Right, and so he doesn't have to do this all on his own. Even though he's made Clint Capella into this, you know, slam dunk star, um, you know, down there, kind of doing the same thing that they used to do um, with Dwight Howard, and certainly what DeAndre Jordan's benefited from for years. But he's got some dude, Clint Capella, you know, uh, leading. He's one of the top five uh, for sure in, in field goal percentage, just because of, of James Harden's ability to give him clean, open looks in the paint. So 
uh, it's kind of a rant. I don't know how we started on Russell Westbrook and came back to James Harden, but I guess I'll be, <laughs> I guess that's all because of me. But let's talk about the Spurs a little bit. I mean, going into the trade deadline, which is, uh, you know, approaching February 23rd, do the Spurs need anything uh, to round out their roster, of which they filled up for some reason? They got Joel Anthony for the rest of the year. Uh, but do they need anything uh, in order to be truly competitive in the West? Because we know that they got the second best record. I actually think that the Rockets will end up with the second-best record when it's all said and done uh, in, the, in the West. But if the Spurs are supposed to move up the ranks, and like you guys said, if they're supposed to overtake Golden State, or they're obviously going to try to overtake Golden State on West, do they need another piece in order to do that? And, and I would say that perhaps they need some, you know, a more athletic power forward right, uh, as, a, as a backup. Or somebody who can stretch, you know, stretch when when Lamarcus is out, or you know, they can really p- play that three piece and shift around. Because um, David Lee's there and is doing some pretty nice things, but he's not an athlete. And when you look at it from a defensive perspective, someone is going to have to cover some pretty athletic uh, postmen in out west in order for the Spurs to advance. So I, I'd say more athleticism in the, in the front court. You know, and that's a lot to say. Front court that includes Kawhi Leonard, but some athleticism from that position. I don't, uh, Jose, what do you think? Does Spurs need to add anything? Oh, I think they do. And and again, this goes the main problem. I I agree with you that I think it needs to be. Uh, I think they need a combo forward, uh, a guy who could play the three or the four, and sort of uh, you know sort of uh, you know move around uh, as far as. Uh, uh, matchups uh, with Kawhi or, you know, even play that five position when you could go small but still stay uh, somewhat effective. Uh, but but I think this all, again, goes back to the Tony Parker problem. You can't really get athletic and you really can't change the team if Parker is not going to be consistent or if he's going to look – I mean, if he's going to look decent one game and then incredibly old the next game and then he has stone feet where he can't move in the third game and then he sort of has this little time off and then he looks great. I mean – that's going to be in, so inconsistent. I think they need to replace that. But again, that loyalty factor, uh, I, I I don't think they will. Uh, they got a third-string point guard who can absolutely, in my opinion, be the starting point guard right now And DeJounte Murray. I think he fixes a lot of those problems, the athleticism problem, the defensive problem in the point guard spot, uh, the quickness. I think he would help, you know, round out everything. It's just a matter of Tony Parker. And if, again, with Tony Parker, I, I agree with you also. You need an athletic power forward. Uh, if you can trade Parker and somebody else to get that player, I think it would be. I think it would work out. Now, I would offer my own trade request, uh, my own trade suggestion, which I know a lot of people are going to give me heat for. They're not. They're going to laugh. You guys are going to laugh at me. Uh, but I mean, I would trade Tony Parker and Lamarcus Aldridge for whatever the New York Knicks want, along with Carmelo Anthony. Give us Carmelo Anthony. Now, can you imagine Kawhi and Carmelo and Pau Gasol on that team with Dejounte Murray and Danny Green being those defensive guys? Uh, it would just be incredible. I think they would absolutely destroy the Warriors in a maybe four, in a sweep or five games. If they, five games if they want to play with their hearts. In, in that scenario, the first thing that comes to my mind, as much as it's bagging on the Marcus Soldiers, is where are we going to get those 10 or 11 rebounds a night? Where that's going to happen? Because it's not going to be Carmelo Anthony getting them. You don't know that. <laughs> you don't know that. You so can't, I, you can't I say hate that. Your trade scenario. I, I like the trade scenario. Remember, we were doing this on the last after the last show, and we we immediately hit the the uh, NBA uh, trade generator. And I think the the most attractive one, at least that I thought that we came up with, was uh, Tony Parker out there to Miami for Drogic, who Miami won't be able to re-sign, and Justice Winslow. And the money worked on that. Does that get you something that you need? I mean, would Justice Winslow look look okay? I mean, he's like a three. He could play. He couldn't play four, but he could play. Well, he might be able to play four, two, three, four. Do Do you see what I have to deal with? <laughs> Tony Parker for Dragic, and isn't that a the Spurs drafted Dragic, right? So it'd be kind <laughs> yes. of a yeah. So it all comes back home. And anyway, we kind of went on a rant there. So what What do you think then? Well, who, do the Spurs need anything? Um, going into I I just think it's kind of funny that um, after all these years like Tony Parker is like the first one the first name we throw out there and I'm guilty of it too because I I wrote about that like a while back you know when 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 can we get the most for him we should do it now and I just think it's it's interesting that that over all these years he's still like the odd man out you know Uh, uh, Tim Duncan obviously the most important spur Manu, arguably the most beloved Spur, 
and then Tony, you know, like it is what it is. Like we right. appreciate it for us. <laughs> but can I can I ask you a question on that? Off. Why do you think that? I've always thought it's because you know Tim was always the found you know the the foundation of the culture. Manu, I I, I really think it was because of his Hispanic roots. You know, again oh, he's sort of like one of us, and you know especially in the Hispanic community. And Tony's the French guy. You know, you really never cared for the French. So I mean that's why I always think Tony gets the bad end of the deal. But uh, again, it would just be be- a beautiful trade. Yeah, no, it's funny because I mean he married a Latina who was from Corpus Christi. But <laughs> going back to what you were saying about you know what what we could possibly need, and I understand the 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 point about getting a physical four. You know, I mean I've been very pleased with uh, David Lee. Like I, as soon as we signed him, I thought that he was going to be a perfect fit. I've been pleasantly surprised by uh, Deadman. Um, I think between him and DeJounte Murray, like to me, those are like the two best stories of the season is like seeing these two players, you know, from disparate uh, backgrounds come and and, and contribute to the roster. But I kind of go back to earlier in the season when, you know, we were talking about do the Spurs like have an enforcer or need an enforcer? And I think maybe that ties into that whole athletic four thing. Um, you know, the playoffs get rough. The playoffs, you know, there's some elbows thrown. Um, t- that was usually the time when it, when a guy like Steven Jackson would come out and shine. So I'm wondering if, if as part of that, like, can we get somebody to come in and, and, and contribute at the four and do some of that dirty work as well? That, what's that, what's Perk doing right now? Right? <laughs> I'd rather have Kevin Willis. Bring back Kevin Willis and the elbow elbow pads before you even think about Perk. Fifty year old Kevin Willis, right? <laughs> well, uh let's get out of here on this. Let me ask you this question about the most surprising spur so far this year to you. Uh Noel, we'll start with you. Um, to me it has to be it has to be Deadman. Um you know, he was he was a role player in Orlando. Uh, embrace the sport, you know, later in age. Um, he's just really, to me, one of the more intriguing players on the roster, you know, because I see him adapting, you know, to the system. I see how he's able to to connect on the lob. I, I see him have trouble connecting with passes in the paint. And so to me, part of it is just kind of just seeing, like, how is it all going to come together? Like, how is he uh, going to ultimately connect with Manu, with Patty, you know, and, and, you know, he's starting right now, which is awesome. I think that's helped. But I do think that second unit is going to be very important when we get closer, closer to the playoffs. Jose? Are, uh, before I go on, are, are you going to say Deadman too? I was not going to say Deadman, no. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not going to say Deadman. I'm going to say my boy DeJounte Murray. He's been spectacular. <laughs> Those few minutes that he's played should get the starting spot. Long arms, tall, six five point guard, uh, can play multiple positions. Just it, it's going to blow my mind when he uh, exceeds these current expectations and becomes a goat, greatest mm-hmm. of all time. Right. I've I've got two myself. I um, so I'm kind of breaking the rules, but I think that David Lee has, and you mentioned him earlier, Manuel. I mean, David Lee, I think has has surpassed all of my expectations. He's a hustler. Um, he's doing a lot of stuff that you don't see in the stat sheet. Uh, he's moving. He's setting screens. He's he's filling that Tiago splitter role as uh, as Jose likes to go back to often. Um, I think he's just doing a great job. But the guy who I think I'm most surprised of is uh, is Pau Gasol and Pau's uh, defense specifically. I I thought it's not going to be a total nightmare uh, defensively, but you're going from Tim Duncan, one of the best of all time in his position. And you're you bringing in you're replacing that situation with you know you got Lamarcus Aldridge there who I didn't think was a defensive player when he came here I still don't think he's a, an incredible defensive player and you're going to pair him with another guy who I just don't think of a lot from uh, a defensive reputation in Pau Gasol and so far I think Pau has been more than serviceable uh, the Spurs have the number one defense in the league the number one defensive rating in the league I think Pau Gasol's defense has been incredible this year. He's a winner. You can't argue with that. Yeah. 
For sure. Uh, okay, Manuel, uh, before we close out, man, tell us uh, some of the stuff that you're working on. Tell us, uh, you, you said you had a film festival that was, that was starting. Go ahead and plug that and then tell people where they can engage with you on Twitter and such. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, people can reach out to me at Braddy Mills on Twitter. Um, that's kind of weird to say that out loud, but that's kind of the nickname. <laughs> right. My 10-year-old son, when he wasn't acting right, so when we, when we decided to jump on Twitter, it's at Braddy Mills. Um, I post basketball, music, um, film. I write for uh, Dermescla as well, which is based out of Brooklyn. Um, I write for Wax Poetics, which is also based out of Brooklyn. Um, right now I'm working on a film festival here in San Antonio called Cine Festival. Um, it's the nation's original and longest running Latino film festival. So that's going to be running here in San Antonio February, February 24th through March 1st. March 4th, my bad. February 24th through March 4th. So, um, you know, just reach out, reach out to me. I've been writing about the Spurs for a while. Uh, I was trying to embrace, uh, you know, the Spurs community a little bit more. So, you know, any, any, uh, any tips, you know, anybody wants to holler, anybody wants to talk about sports. Uh, I've enjoyed being here with you guys today and just talk hoops. It's been great. Excellent. Thanks, man. We've enjoyed it a lot, too. We definitely would love to have you back on, on the show. And, and make sure to, to pay attention to the SA Current, right, and see – See your articles as they get posted there. Um, guys, that's it for this episode of the Spurs Cast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at the Spurs Cast. Uh, follow at Project Spurs or go out to ProjectSpurs.com. Catch up with Jose at JRG1023. Me, I'm at RyanMC underscore PS. Uh, make sure to, uh, to you know, like us. How many? We got a lot of followers now, uh, right, Jose? I mean, we, you're, you've been doing a great job with the Twitter feed. Um, go out there, check that out. Jose, thanks a lot, man. And to all you listeners, you're welcome.